0: Welcome to Bethesda Broadcast, the podcast of Bethesda Church in Huron, South Dakota. This past Sunday was Mother's Day, and Pastor Roy gave a message entitled, The Life-Changing Mark of Mothers. Even though this message is geared towards mothers, there are many practical insights for people in every stage of life who want to live a godly life and influence others with the gospel. So we hope you'll open up your Bibles to 2 Timothy and follow along with Pastor Roy with an open heart.
1: Today we want to talk about the life-changing mark of mothers. Uh, I want to say Happy Mother's Day to all of our mothers here today. It's a special day, and if you had a, were blessed to have a godly mother growing up, I hope that you will call her if you haven't already, and um, wish her a Happy Mother's Day, and encourage her, and thank her. For her investment in your life. Um, I was blessed with a godly mother and grew up in a Christian home. Many of you know my dad pastored a small church in Ohio. And even though he pastored a small church, his salary ran into six figures four boys and two girls. <laughs> and uh, God blessed our, our family. We weren't a perfect family, uh, but we were a family who strove to honor and live for the Lord. And uh, God has blessed us in so many, so many ways. Today I want to encourage you to open your Bibles to Second Timothy chapter 1. I know this can be a very difficult day for some people because there are some people in our world who grew up in a home where mom was not there. Uh, maybe you came from a broken home and you didn't have the interaction either with a father or mother. And it's extremely painful. I trust that God will minister to you, and I trust that God will bring people alongside of you to minister to you in your life. I know that God is faithful to do that. Others of you have a wayward child, and the thought of that and Mother's Day is very, very painful. I want to encourage you, and I trust that this message will be an encouragement to you in what you are going through, that God is there with you and wants to help you uh, through that. Others, their mother has passed away. And so it can be a very difficult day, and we just trust that God will minister to each one of you according to your need today. Somebody said being a mother is boring. Well, somebody never rode in a car driven by a teenager with a driver's permit, Somebody said good mothers never raise their voices. Somebody never came out the back door just in time to see their child hit a golf ball through the neighbor's kitchen window. Somebody said you don't need an education to be a mother. Somebody never helped a fourth grader with his math. Today we're talking about the life-changing mark of mothers, and I want to talk about five ways for mothers to leave a life-changing mark on their children. And I trust you will jot these down, and I hope that these are already operative in your life, and I trust that many of you, they are operative, but maybe you'll be encouraged to continue to do what you are doing. Let's look at the passage, 2 Timothy chapter 1, beginning in verse 3. Paul says, I thank God, whom I serve, as my forefathers did, with a clear conscience. As night and day, I constantly remember you in my prayers. Recalling your tears, I long to see you so that I may be filled with joy. I have been reminded of your sincere faith, which first lived in your grandmother Lois, and in your mother Eunice, and I am persuaded, now lives in you also. This is Paul's last letter before he goes to heaven. He is writing to his young protege in the faith, Timothy, to encourage him. But he's also, as he writes to Timothy, he's remembering the tremendous legacy that Timothy was given. That his grandmother was a great woman of faith, Lois. That Eunice, his mother, was a great woman of faith. And he says, I am persuaded. It now lives in you also. And really, what that really means is, he says, I am convinced that it lives in you, because you saw such an example for the previous two generations to carry on the faith. So how are we going to carry on the faith to our children, moms? Dads can listen in, too. How do we carry on this faith? Five ways for mothers to leave a life-changing mark on their children. Number one, make God's Word a priority in your home. Paul says in 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17, look at this with me, all scripture is breathed out by God and is profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. Now I want us to stop and think for a moment as Paul pens these words about the importance of Scripture, but yet the scarcity of Scripture in Paul's day. They did not have a printing press. So all they could have possibly had was either a parchment or papyrus on a scroll. Those would have been very rare. Not every home would have had them. And yet Paul is impressing upon them the importance of Scripture in the home, and in our lives. If we flip over to chapter 4 for a moment of 2 Timothy, look at verse 13. Paul is in prison, and he says, When you come, bring the cloak that I left with Carpus at Troas, perhaps he was chilled, and my scrolls, especially the parchments. There weren't just lots of copies of the Bible laying around. We have so many copies of the Bible laying around, but how many times do we fail to open it, the Scriptures, and forget the impact that it's to have in our lives? Parents, I want you to think for a moment about the conduit you are for your kids. You are the biggest conduit for your kids between God and God. And your children. Is your conduit the size of a straw, or is it the size of a big PVC pipe? We choose what the size of that conduit is through which God flows through us to our children. And the size of that conduit will be dependent upon how much we make God's Word a priority in our home. Let me give you some ideas about the size of your conduit and how it is measured. And you can measure your conduit this morning. I want you to measure your conduit right now in your home to see how big your conduit is. The first way you can measure your conduit is by your faithfulness. Are you a faithful child of God yourself, Mom? Dad? Are you a faithful child of God? How consistently do you take God's Word into your own life? And how is God's Word changing you? That has an impact on the size of your conduit. To pass from God to your children, it has to come through you first. Secondly, what about my love for God and his people? Do I have a deep, affectionate love for God and his people? The greatest commandment is love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, your mind, your strength. And the second is what? Like unto itself, love your neighbor as yourself. So how about your love for God and his people? What is the size of your conduit to your children? Do they see your love for God? Thirdly, my prayer life. Do your children see you in prayer? Not that you're doing it for a show, but do your children see your prayer life? Is it something that's important to you where you have a list of and you seek the face of God. Fourthly, my fellowship in the church. Do your feet find the church regularly, and not just in the service, but after the service, before the service, how you interact with people, your fellowship with people? Do you ever pray with anybody after the service? Do you ever share a burden and a need and a struggle with anybody? Or you just come in the door and you put on a smile and you leave and... And what about bringing your children to Sunday school? You are the biggest conduit between you and God, parents, moms. Fifthly, my doctrinal competency. I know that's kind of a big word. My doctrinal competency. Competency means our capability. It goes beyond that. It includes the word to compete. It means that someone with competency, listen, somebody with competency is good enough to compete with other candidates. In other words, if there's an opposing viewpoint of the Bible, do you have doctrinal competency to stand up and tell them what the Bible says? The courage and the competency to tell them what the Bible says. It was interesting this week. We had the funeral here for Rose Glanzer. And after the service and after the meal, I had a gentleman come up to me after the meal. And he had heard the message. He had heard the gospel. And he said, I have to tell you. He said, where I'm at in my life, I'm somewhere between agnostic and pagan. Would you feel uncomfortable? Or how would you respond to that? I thanked him for his honesty. And I also told him, until you have a personal relationship with God, you can't possibly understand who God is. But our doctrinal competency is important. That we have biblical convictions and we can defend what we believe from the scriptures. How big is your conduit? Mom? Dad? Dad? Start training your child early in the Scriptures. Don't wait till they get old. Look with me over in 2 Timothy 3.15. And how from childhood, he's talking about Timothy, you have been acquainted with the sacred writings which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Jesus Christ. The reason Timothy was so strong in the faith now is because early in life when he was a toddler, he was being taught the Word of God. Not only was he being taught the Word of God, he was being modeled the Word of God. We have to do what the Scripture says as we've been studying about in James. It needs to be a part of who we are. We've got to start early. Deuteronomy 6 and 7 says, "...you shall teach them diligently," talking about God's Word, God's commandments to your children, and shall talk of them when you sit in your house, and when you walk by the way, and when you lie down, and when you rise, all parts of the day, talk to your children about God. I remember as our children were small and growing up, one of the things we tried to get in the habit of doing, and we don't hear it much around here, but in a bigger city we would hear sirens frequently, and one of the things we did when we heard a siren, we said, we need to stop and pray, somebody needs help, we need to stop and pray, So as we're driving down the road, we would stop to pray for that person who needed God's touch. Those are the kind of things we need to be doing with our children. When we rise, when we lie down, all the time sharing God's word with them. Sharing God's word also promotes the gospel Isn't it interesting that Timothy devoted his life to sharing the gospel? Why? Because God's word was in his heart. And when God's word is in your heart, you have the gospel. And when you have the gospel, you want to share it with others. Why? For the purpose of evangelism. Think about it, mom and dad. When we share God's word, we are sharing the gospel. We are giving the child an opportunity to understand that they are a sinner before God and they need Jesus Christ. And so we're sharing the gospel when we share God's word. We are sharing sacred doctrine. This doctrine was placed in Timothy's heart and mind, which formed his character. And his conscience then was trained by God's word. Children have an opportunity to respond to the gospel. Some of you have had the opportunity to lead your children to faith in Christ because you have faithfully shared God's word in the gospel with them. Praise God for that. Discuss the sermon at the dinner table instead of the pastor. (laughs) Some of you didn't get that. It's okay. Tell them how God challenged you and how God wants to change you through what you heard. Have you ever told your children how God challenged you in the sermon? You personally? It's the conduit. You are teaching them. Coming through the parents, the conduit. Challenge them. Talk about their Sunday school lesson. That's making an assumption that you are bringing your children to Sunday school. Maybe you're not. And maybe it's time that you start bringing your children to Sunday school where they hear God's word being taught and you can talk to them. Teens, go over the questions that Pastor Anthony gives out. He gives lots of good questions with his lessons, and and they're there for us as parents to take. And we try to use them at the breakfast table. Share them with your kids. Talk with them. I would encourage you to pick up a copy if you have Young Boys, Thoughts for Young Men by J.C. Ryle, written in 1888. It was reprinted in the 2000s. But I'm going to give you two general counsels that J.C. Ryle gives in this book. There are many. I don't have time to give them all to you this morning. But here's two I want to give you. Determine as long as you live to make the Bible your guide and advisor. As long as you live, pass that on to your kids. Mom, dad, as long as you live, the Bible will be your guide and advisor. Secondly, never make an intimate friend, that's misspelled, It looks like fried, that's what sleep deprivation does for you, never make an intimate friend of anyone who is not a friend of God. So many young people get off track because they develop friendships with kids who don't care about God's word. If they don't care about God's word, you need to distance yourself from them. Because you will be going down the same path. It's vital. Timothy put himself around people like the Apostle Paul. And guess what? Lois and Eunice saw the importance of Timothy connecting with a godly man. How important it is. Well, we better move on to the next one. The second way we can have a life-changing mark on our children is model genuine faith by your daily example. Lois taught Eunice. Eunice taught Timothy about their faith in God. They taught Timothy that God is trustworthy. They relied on the Lord throughout their lives, and they found God to be faithful to what he said. Lois's name means agreeable or desirable. That's what her name means. Agreeable or desirable. Now listen to this. She certainly agreed with the ways of God, did she not? And she desired to follow him in all her ways. The family, Timothy grew up in a little town called Lystra, where many people would have been worshiping false gods. But notice Timothy did not bow to a false god because mom and grandmother did not bow to a false god. She was not swayed. She stayed faithful to the Lord and true to the Lord. Eunice is a Greek name which comes from the word Nike, which stood for the Greek goddess of victory. Her name actually means conquering well and was an expression of good victory. Eunice also lived up to her name because she had victory over the immoral culture in which they lived and raised a godly son. If we want to have victory in this ungodly culture, we will do so by making God's word a priority in the home and modeling genuine faith by our daily example. It is vital. It is quite possible that Eunice was married to an unbeliever. And so therefore, Timothy did not have a godly father to look to. He only had the godly mother to look to. Nowhere do we see where Timothy's father had a major influence in Timothy's life. Notice Paul does not list Timothy's father in having a sincere faith in this passage. But if we go to, and and let me read it for you here, in Acts chapter 16, verse 1, it says, Paul also came to Derby and to Lystra, which is where Timothy lived. A disciple was there named Timothy, listen to this, the son of a Jewish woman who was a believer, but his father was a Greek. It says nothing about his father being a believer. And so therefore we tend to believe that Timothy's father was not a believer in Jesus. Now notice he says... In verse 5, I have been reminded of your sincere faith, which first lived in your grandmother Lois and in your mother Eunice. Sincere faith means without hypocrisy. It is genuine faith, it is real faith. It was a faith that was consistent through thick and thin, ups and downs, good times and bad times, times of prosperity and blessing. And times that were tough, his faith was genuine. One of the reasons for Timothy's strong faith was the daily example of his mother and his grandmother's faith. And Paul also, back in verse 4, notice he says, Recalling your tears, I long to see you. It doesn't tell us why Timothy had tears, but it certainly tells us that he had a tender heart, which also goes along with genuine faith a tender heart. And Timothy possessed that. He was not afraid to show his true emotions. One of the things we can be guilty of as parents is telling our little boys especially, oh, don't cry.
0: Get over that.
1: When in reality, we need to validate why they feel the way they feel and understand that. In the Lord's Prayer... It says this Give us this day our daily bread. That is an example of a genuine faith, waiting on God daily for what I need. Give us this day our daily bread, trusting God to provide for our daily needs. Perseverance in the faith does not just happen, we have to put forth effort. That's why Paul wrote to Timothy in 2 Timothy 3, verse 14, listen to this. But as for you, continue in what you have learned, and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it. You know what Timothy's name means? Timothy's name means one who fears God. Now, where do you think Timothy learned to fear God? He learned it at the knee of a godly mother and the knee of a godly grandmother. He learned. He says, continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed. Maybe the reason many people, our children, do not follow the Lord is because they have not continued and they have not firmly believed in that teaching that we have given them. Here's another way you can pass on your genuine faith, mom and dad. Very practical way. Maybe you haven't done it for a while. Pull out your wedding album. Pull out your wedding album and go through the pictures with them and show them how you had a Christ-centered, hopefully you had a Christ-centered wedding and marriage and show them those pictures. And the reason that is so important today is because we have now transgender. We have same-sex weddings. And they need to see a man and a woman who love Jesus and who is married in a Christ-centered relationship. You show them that wedding album and talk about that. It's vital. We have so much in our culture that is pulling us the other way, that is pulling us away from God's Word. We have got to bring them back to the Word of God. And tell them about a Christ-centered marriage. And be praying for them that they have a Christ-centered marriage. Another thing you can do is Passport to Purity. It's a kit that you can get from Focus on the Family. We've taken each of our boys through that. And it's vital as a pre-teen to teach them about physical intimacy. We had the opportunity. I took my son out one-on-one for a weekend and spent the time with them. Moms, if you have a daughter, you take your daughter out and you take them through Passport to Purity. There are projects you can do together to teach them the beauty of physical intimacy from a godly perspective. That's how you make God's word a priority. That's how you pass on a genuine faith that you take time that it is vital and important for you to pass that on to them. Research shows that youth need three key relationships. There's a national study of youth and religion that was done. This was pulled from a writing of 2014. And I want to show you these three things because I think they're vital. Number one, the young person's parents practice the faith in the home and daily life, not just in public settings. You know, one of the tragedies... Of some parents, and the conduit they pass on is the conduit of hypocrisy. Because they act one way in church, and they act another way with their friends, they act another way in the marketplace, and the two do not jive. My friends, your children can see through that hypocrisy. You need to practice the faith daily, not just in public settings. Where it's a reality in your home. Your children are going to see that. They're going to know whether you like JCPenney catalog more than you like the Bible. Secondly, the young person had at least one significant adult mentor or friend other than parents who practiced the faith seriously. Now here again, what did Lois and Eunice do for Timothy? Hooked him up with Paul, the apostle. Another significant adult who could invest in Timothy spiritually. It's one of the greatest things you can do as a parent. If you want your conduit to be big and strong, get some other people. Thirdly, the young person had at least one significant spiritual experience before the age of 17. It is vital, and that's why we teach them the scripture from childhood. And that's why Timothy had such an incredible heart and character, because he learned it at a young age. Moms, your influence is incredible. You need to pass that on to them. In other words, teenagers are most likely to retain their Christian faith into adulthood if they had a meaningful and healthy relationship with their parents a faithful Christian mentor outside the family and with God himself. It is vital. The third way, we can leave a life-changing mark on our children for mothers. Maintain a vibrant prayer life. Pray for your children to have a teachable spirit that they will humbly accept God's word and it would fall on the good soil of their heart. Not only pray for your children, but pray with your children. They will learn to pray as you pray. One of the practices that we had as our children were growing up is we would pray with them every night as we put them to bed. And I doubt the first 10 or 11 years of their life that they can hardly remember a night going to bed without being prayed with and for. It's vital. How are they going to develop a heart for God if we don't have a heart for God? The conduit through which God will flow to them will go through the parents. It is vital. Help them also realize that prayer is not just talking, but it's listening to God. God. Where we stop and we listen and we're quiet before the Lord. Be still and know that he is God. The prophet Samuel, when he was a boy, he was learning to hear the voice of God. He thought Eli, the priest, was calling him. He jumped up three times and he ran to Eli. He said, here I am, for you called me and Eli realized. He said, no, what was happening is he realized God was speaking to this little boy. He told, told Samuel, you go back and lie down. And if he calls you again... You say, Speak, Lord, for your servant hears. And Samuel goes back and he lies down, and the Lord calls Samuel again by name and he gives him a message to pass on to Eli. But here was a mentor who was teaching Samuel at a young age to listen also in prayer to the voice of God. It's probably one of the biggest areas that we all fail. We're good at talking to God. Complaining to God, giving Him our burdens and our needs, but sometimes we fail to really listen to the voice of God. And I know that's true in my own life as well. Many of you are familiar with Dr. Ben Carson, a world-famous surgeon, who's performed more than 400 operations a year, mostly of brain and spinal surgeries. Besides his faith, his mother is one of the chief reasons he became one of the premier brain surgeons in the United States. Dr. Carson said of his mother, she was one of 24 children. She got married at age 13. She found out that her husband was a bigamist. And she only had a third grade education. And the thing he says about my mother is she never adopted a victim's mentality. She prayed... She asked God to give her wisdom because my brother and I, he said, we're terrible students. God heard the prayer of Carson's mother. Today, Carson's brother is an engineer. And Ben went from being ranked as the worst student in his fifth grade class to being named head of pediatric neurosurgery at John Hopkins at the age of 33. The youngest in the nation at the time. On the occasion of its 200th anniversary, the Library of Congress named him one of the 89 living legends. In 2001, he was chosen by CNN and Time magazine as one of America's top 20 physicians and scientists. Now, do you think that would have happened apart from a praying mother? I don't think so. Unless there were other people. But the second thing I want to tell you is this, because you may not have a praying mother. Mobilize a group of prayer partners. The Apostle Paul prayed regularly for Timothy and his family. It's a good idea to have godly people in your corner praying for you and your kids, for wisdom for you. We were blessed in Virginia with a prayer warrior in our church who prays several hours a day. And I saw his prayer book. He had pages that he would pray for. In fact, his wife would tell him, you can remember 100 prayer requests, but you can't remember two things when you go to the grocery store. <laughs> and it was true. He would forget. But he could remember those prayer requests. Why? Because he prayed for them every day. But one of the things on his list was Our family. He has prayed faithfully for our family from our children's birth to today. He prays for us, sometimes more than once a day. He prays for our vehicles to run well. He prays for our health. He prays for us to rest well. He prays for so many things in our family. We have been deeply influenced by his prayers. Mobilize a group of prayer partners Don't be afraid to share your struggle, mom, with some other moms who are godly. Share it with them. Pray together. Pray for each other. That's what the church is all about. You would do that. The last one I want to give you here is to monitor your children's media intake. Now this one here, I can't pull directly from the scripture, but this is for our day today. When I think about the influences in Timothy's culture, they would have been a little different than the influences in the culture today. But the culture today, media is gobbling up our kids' minds and their time and attention. You need to govern their content as well as the amount of time they spend on media it will strip them of a relationship with God if they're not careful. Be careful and pay attention to the worldview that is being promoted through the media. There are more and more Christian movies and DVDs and there's pure flicks and there's so many things we have. We have a DVD player at home that's called Clearplay. Some of you have heard of it. If you go to clearplay.com, They have filters that you can download for movies. Movies that are decent, but not fit to watch because they have language and scenes, and this removes them. There's a little monthly fee, but clearplay.com. How important is purity in your home? That's the question. I looked at some of the top video games that are out there now. Call of Duty. This series, which there's many in the series, is verified by Guinness World Records as a best-selling first-person shooter game series where they shoot people. And as of April 2015, it said they had sold over 175 million copies for a total of $10 billion. Your kids, it's not fit for... A godly mind. Do you know what your kids are doing? Grand Theft Auto. Each game in this series, listen to this, Grand Theft Auto, each game in this series allows players to take on the role of a criminal in the big city. Typically an individual who plans to rise through the ranks of organized crime through the course of the game. The player is given various missions by kingpins and major idols yes, idols, in the city underworld, which must be completed to progress through the storyline. Assassinations and other violent crimes are featured regularly. The player can earn stars by shooting a police officer. What do we see happening in our culture today? Later versions include intimacy with one's girlfriend, drunk driving, nudity, drug dealing... And player initiated torture. Is that entertainment? Or is that the devil captivating the minds of our young people? I'm concerned for our culture. I'm concerned for the Christian home. We have five ways we can leave a life changing mark on our children. We are the conduit through which God will flow to our children. How big is your conduit? Let's stand for a word of prayer. I would ask you to bow your heads and close your eyes for a moment. Today is Mother's Day, so the challenge is to mothers, but it's for all of us. How are you doing with leaving a mark on your children? What kind of mark are you leaving? The kind of mark you are leaving will be determined by the size of your conduit, your faithfulness, your prayers, your doctrinal competency, your fellowship in the church, your love for God and His people. How are you doing? Are you making God's word a priority in your home? Or does it sit on the shelf until next Sunday? Maybe you're here today and you've never trusted the Lord Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. That's the first step. The mark you are leaving right now, if you are not a believer in Jesus Christ, is you are leaving a negative mark on your children because you are not pointing them, you are not bringing them to God because you don't have the right kind of conduit. Today, you could have a pipe replacement. You could give your life to the Lord Jesus Christ. You could bow before Him. You could humble yourself and say, On this Mother's Day 2016, I'm giving my life to Jesus Christ. It'd be the greatest Mother's Day you would ever have. Maybe you're here today and you realize you need to make some changes in your life to be the kind of mother or the kind of father that God wants you to be. Would you ask God right now to help you be that kind of person so that you have a genuine faith that you are passing on to your kids? Let's bow together for a word of prayer. Heavenly Father.
0: We hope you've enjoyed today's message.